hello again and uh, it's such a joy to be able to uh, share uh, this morning again with you from scripture we've been tracking over the last 16 episodes uh, the life of Elijah and it has been for me personally a very rich and rewarding time uh, during this journey of walking with Elijah um, God broke in and helped me to overcome a struggle I'd been having for three years uh, since May of 2017, uh, tw sorry, May 2018. And it was in this time as uh, uh, we walked with Elijah, um, my life was also impacted. So the, the truths we've been sharing um, have been for each one of us. Um, the disclaimers that I've been putting out there are these lessons that I'm learning and applying and continuing to apply. Lessons we learned yesterday and just to remind us, uh, Elijah finishes in a blaze of glory. Uh, but uh, he shows us as he finishes well that those of us who falter like him, a man just like us, can finish well. And that's an encouragement um, for us. He also um, shows us that uh, finishing well matters. He shows us that um, this is expected of us, that uh, this will be a reason for joy uh, on the final day when we stand before God and we hear him say, well done, uh, good and faithful servant. So that's important. But also it's important what we leave behind. Uh, Elijah was able to leave behind a double portion of his spirit for Elisha. And a question that we may be asking ourselves is, what will we be leaving behind? What will we leave behind um, for those uh, that have uh, been impacted by our lives? What's the legacy that we will leave behind? And that determines also uh, the kind of uh, life we live. And of course, we can only finish well by the power that Jesus provides. It's not um, by inner in strength, as it were, but it's by God's strength that we find strength in him. And to get that strength, we need to stay close to him. We need to continually consider him, look at him, appreciate him, acknowledge him, receive him. And also we need to be changed to be like him. And that's where we uh, left off yesterday. And you might well be asking, so if we finished with Elijah's story, why another episode? Yes, his story is over, but he, he appears many times again in the rest of the scriptures. In fact, in the New Testament, after Abraham, Moses and David, Elijah is the fourth highest person referenced uh, in the New Testament. And I thought this morning I would look at a couple of references. The first one, of course, is that famous time when Jesus asks two important questions. One a general question, one a very pointed question. The general question Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, who do people say the son of man is? And, and they replied together, maybe or maybe as a chorus or maybe separately, they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then the specific question, the question that um, is pointed at us, the question that almost comes with that pointed finger, who do you say I am? That's the question that we must answer within this context of Elijah's reference in the New Testament. Jesus asking, who do you say I am? Simon Peter, of course, uh, is the one who, uh, by revelation, uh, by inspiration of God, who answers that question saying, um, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. What's very important for us this morning, uh, friends, is to get hold of the fact that it is not just in words that we answer the question, but we must answer the question with our lives. And so this morning's talk is simply titled, Just Like Jesus. 
And as we think about um, the questions that Jesus asked, the general question, uh, the pointed question, uh, a helpful quote comes from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. Uh, allow me to share it. It's a slightly long quote, but I think you will get the general gist of how we must answer this question, how it's important we understand this question, how we must ensure that we get give the right answer to this question. C.S. Lewis says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. We've been tracking Elijah. We've seen Elisha. We've dipped into the stories of Jonah and Moses and, and Peter, men who are just like us, who failed, who were picked up by God once again, who journeyed with God once again. But we must come, as we come to the end of this series, we must come to the most important question of who do you say Jesus is? And that must really be answered by our lives. You see, because Elijah can inspire and instruct only Jesus can give us eternal life and change us. In John 10, uh, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come to give life and to give it in abundance. I am the good shepherd and the shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. That's one of the, one of the unique, singular things that Jesus said about himself that Elijah didn't say. Elijah points to Jesus. Elijah shows us who gives us the life, but it is in Jesus that we get the life. And our series has been an effort to learn from Elijah, but to draw strength from Jesus so that we can be changed according to the lessons that Elijah had to learn and we can learn from him. So it's very important we uh, remember that. Remember the question, who do you say I am? As you think of this second passage, again, a very familiar one in the New Testament. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, the Mount of Transfiguration. When heaven breaks in, as it were, N.T. Wright um, often says that um, heaven and earth are like two dimensions separated. They're not above and beneath, but they're almost separated. They're separated dimensions. And once in a while, heaven breaks in. Once in a while, this we, we see a glimpse of glory. We see that in Jesus as we see a breakthrough of his divinity and we see him being transfigured. But we also see heaven breaking in because in the uh, initial verses in uh, Luke chapter 9 verses 28, 29 and 30, we read that two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Heaven breaks in and uh, like at the birth of Jesus, heaven broke in as the angels cried out, glory to God and Hosanna in the highest. 
heaven broke in and heaven breaks in here, there and everywhere. We saw heaven break in in the story of Elijah when fire came down. We saw heaven break in in the story of Elijah when the chariots of fire came and took Elijah home. Heaven and earth are two dimensions. And one day in the renewed heavens, in the renewed earth, they will become one. They will be fused together in this wonderful new creation. But till then, we see we can have these occasional breakthroughs of heaven. That's why Jesus said, may God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our key prayer because that's what we want to see. So here is the kingdom of God breaking in. Here is heaven breaking in as it were, but it's Elijah and it's Moses talking to him. And it's no surprise then that Peter, again, the one who speaks quickly, often speaks uh, before he thinks, he says, Master, it is good for us in verse 33. Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He says, let's just settle down here. Let's just have these three tents. Let's just be here. And even as he's speaking, God the Father, once again, heaven breaks in. God the Father breaks in. A cloud appears and covers them. And they enter into this cloud and a voice comes from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen listen to him. The question that Jesus asks, who do you say I am, is answered not just in our declaration of what we intellectually know to be true about Jesus, but practically how we listen to him. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the knowing is experiential knowing. It is hearing, understanding, applying, practicing through obedience. And the word listen is not just about hear, because, you know, it can, as it often happens with children, you call out to your, some of your children and, and you call out their name and, and they've heard you. But have they listened to you? Not yet. Uh, you call out to them again, have they heard you? Yes, they have. And then third time you raise your voice and you call out to them sharply and then they respond, yes, what is it? Or I'm coming. Or That's when they have heard. Actually, they haven't yet obeyed. When they come to you, when you that's when they've obeyed. So they, you can see there's a big gap between, between hearing, listening and obeying. And the idea of listen to him carries all of these three aspects. Hearing, understanding, listening, understanding and obeying. It is with a life of obedience that we best answer the question, who do I say Jesus is? Not just with my mind, not just with my heart and, oh, I really love Jesus. I love worshiping him. I love hanging out with him. But obedience, oh, that's a costly thing because it is. That's a challenging thing because it is. That's a dis disconcerting thing because it is. That's a painful, uh, awkward, uh, hard thing. It is. Jesus, in fact, said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to carry your cross and come after me. That's what it means to listen to him. That's, what it, that's how we answer the question, 
who do you say I am? And interestingly, in both the contexts that we've looked at, Matthew 16 and in Luke 9, if you look at the surrounding context of what's happening, immediately after the conversation that Jesus has in Matthew 16, he begins to share with them how he has to go and be crucified. Even in this context in Luke 9, and you can read, how Moses and Elijah speak to him about his departure, about his exit. And there is almost this overarching context of the cross, not just over Jesus's life and, and because of through which Jesus gives us power, but it also needs to become the overarching context of our lives. That the way we answer the question, who do I say Jesus is, is by picking up my cross daily, denying myself, obeying Jesus, remembering how in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And friends, that is the goal that God has for us. Jesus became like us so we could become like him. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 onwards, we're told how he did not consider equality with God something to get hold of, and, but he was willing to lay it aside. He was willing to become, uh, take on the form of a man, not just a man, but become a servant, not just a servant, but willing to die, not just willing to die, but die the death of the cross. Why? Because Romans 8, 29 tells us God is committed to confirm us to the image of his son. He died so that we could become like him. And one day we're told in, in, in John's letter, he said that when he appears, we will be like him we will be like him that's what we're told that we will be like him for we will see him as he is meanwhile second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 tells us that we are being changed from one degree of glory to another into the image of god's son so you see the story of elijah has been instructing us been informing us but if the story of elijah points us forward to jesus because it is only in Jesus that we can get strength, we can get the life that we need. So, as we conclude our series, Elijah, a man just like us, points us to Jesus who can change us to be just like him. Remember, you can have a great finish even if you have failed. You can, you can have a wonderful second half even if your first half has been difficult and painful because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Three times he said that to Peter when Peter struggled with the whole restoration. Jesus assured of him of his love. Jesus assures us of his love, but Jesus also desires that we become like him. And we're changed through obedience. And journeying through life, as we journeyed with Elijah, we saw the various points of change that need to come in us. We need to overcome fear. We need to grow in trust. We need to be those who will take up the responsibility of the assignments that God gives us. We will persevere. We will not give up. We will face up to our, our, our struggles and we will overcome them by the grace that he gives. I hope this series has been instructive to you. I know it has blessed me immensely and I'm grateful for your patience. If you have actually watched through all of these series, I am especially grateful um, for your patience in working through this. I hope 
uh, that one day we might meet uh, and we can exchange notes of how we have been checking along with Elijah as he points us to Jesus and how Jesus has changed us because only he can. God bless you today and every day. Thank you.